0: So I want to begin this series uh, with just a few disclaimers, uh, and I will probably give these disclaimers every week. The first is that I am not a licensed psychologist or counselor. I think I need to declare that so that none of you sue me uh, when we're done. Uh, And so know that. I'm about a two-thirds minor in psychology. So uh, take what I say about psychology about a two-thirds minor um, in school. And so I want to make that clear up front. I I also want to make clear up front that I recognize depression as a real uh, mental disease, and I know that there are some pastors and some Christians who don't recognize that, but I am not one of those. I I think that it's it's something that can be clinical and and can be a real disease of people's. Minds and I am not against, and I know some are, and this may be controversial with some, probably not some in our church, uh, uh, but some uh, around Christian culture, I am not against taking medicine in order to help your depression. In fact, I am for that in some cases if it helps you serve Jesus better uh, than if you didn't have the medication. So I want to get that out there too. Uh, this is not a series to replace your medication. Uh, I, I want to say this also, that, that I'll be using depression. Depression In the broadest sense of the word uh, And so I don't mean just depression As a clinical disease that you can be, have verified By a psychologist or a doctor I don't, I'm not going to use it in that way I mean it in the broadest sense as, uh, as the dictionary describes it Feelings of severe despondency and dejection Sadness, gloom, dejection A state of feeling sad And so when I say depression, from now on in this series, I don't just mean, you know, those of you who have been clinically diagnosed with that disease. I I mean it in the most broad sense. Uh, And I think that in the broadest sense, it's something that we all deal with, right? We all have moments where we are depressed, whether we suffer from depression or not. And that leads me to my other disclaimer, and that is uh, that I am not a person who is given to depression. Uh, i I don't do depressed very often. I can probably point to four times in my life where I would describe myself as as depressed uh, i I've been sad more than that but but not where I would say i I'm despondent. You know that I'm dejected that's only that's only happened really four times. I watched recently an interview. I posted it on Facebook, so if you uh, are my friend on Facebook, you may have seen it, but it was two pastors, John Piper and John MacArthur. They're both famous pastors. They're both guys I respect immensely, and uh, it was an interview about a lot of stuff, but, uh, but one of the questions they asked is like, how do you deal with, you know, rejection? And John MacArthur, who, if you know anything about John MacArthur, he's just kind of Blunt and, and right to the point And doesn't care about your feelings And uh, he probably does But he doesn't come across that way publicly And he just teaches the Bible and lets you deal With how you feel and all that He gives this whole long thing, like five minutes About how I'm I'm not depressed and when I'm rejected I just kind of go on and I never think about it again and I don't care what people say and I have too much to do to even think about being sad and he finishes and John Piper like the camera turns towards him and the interviewer uh, looks at him and he just kind of smiles and goes well, if you feel like a horrible person now, let me tell you the good news, and goes on to describe how he just cries for no reason sometimes, and his wife will have to ask him what's wrong, and he'll say, I don't know what's wrong, and, and how he deals with this, and, and, and so I just want to say, as we go through this, that I am pretty far on, on John MacArthur's side, if, if it was between those two things. I just, I just kind of go about my life, and I don't stop, and I don't think, and things like that, and I say that for a, a couple of reasons. Uh, I think it's important to be fair as we go in this, just to be fair, but I also want to say that that I'm going to try to stick to the Bible um, and and kind of say what I think the Bible says to us about depression, because if I were to stand up here and give you like Chad's 10 points on how to deal with your depressed moments of life, it just wouldn't be very good, and and I think some sermons... uh, about feelings especially kind of end up that way you know just be more busy or whatever but this is not that series and so if you're afraid and I'm going to talk about this more in just a little bit if you're afraid that I'm I'm going to get up here and give you some cliche answers some things that worked for me or whatever that's not going to be it because I I, I'm kind of on that side where I just don't deal with it that much and I also give that disclaimer To say this, if at any point, and I hope I won't do this, uh, I think I'm a caring person and I hope I won't do this, but at any point I just come across like, well this is what the Bible says and it doesn't matter how you feel, you know, which I'm going to try not to do and I don't feel that way on my insides. Just know it's because it's not something that this series is not for me. Uh, Some of the sermon series we do, it's like, well I need to get in there and learn about that and deal with that and fix that in my life and, and come over that. But if I come across cold or callous or anything like that in this series, it's because it's it's not something that on a super deep emotional level connects with me. I think it will connect with a lot of you and, and hopefully you'll share this with other people who need it. Uh, but if I come across it all, and I probably won't because I'm a pretty caring person. If you know me personally, you know that. But if I come across it all like, well, this is just what it says, then, then no, it's because it's not something that that I connect with emotionally. It's just something that I think needs to be addressed. And so those, those are my disclaimers. Um, but as I say that last thing, you're like, well, this guy doesn't even know what it's like to be sad, but I do, because there are moments where I have been depressed, and uh, the last time, and, and I'm still coming out of this, so I'm kind of in the middle of it, which is going to help me not sound careless, uh, uh, is, is because my dog died. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but uh, it... it it left me depressed, not just sad, but depressed Like where it's like, I don't want to get up and do anything I don't want to face the day and, 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 and I wrote, and I mentioned this when it was happening That I knew I was coming up on a series uh, about depression That we would do this series this year And, and so I wrote uh, to try to, because I figured I wouldn't still be depressed When we got to this point uh, But I, I, here's what I wrote When Roy died, life was a bit gray Things seemed less important, less enjoyable. I appreciated people's words of comfort, but also found them unhelpful. They even upset me. I looked at calendars and thought, I'm going to still be dealing with this next week. It seemed like a choice between constant busyness and constant sadness. Simple, unimportant things made me angry. Not being able to find my black shorts made me want to yell at my wife. People tried to say nice things and it all sounded stupid. I stopped answering the question of how I'm doing with fine and it made people uncomfortable. I remember one night stopping at Wendy's and before going through the drive-thru, there was a beautiful sunset and after we had gotten our food, the sun had gone down and the color from the sky disappeared. I remember thinking, that's what life feels like. That's what it's like without Roy. And I've added since that months later, it's still going on. I've cried within the last nine days. I was laying in bed last night for no good reason. I was not uh, thinking about being depressed. I wasn't trying to be sad. And I was laying there, and all of a sudden, I just wanted to cry. Uh, I even made this decision. I think this is part of being depressed, as you become a little bit more illogical at, at times. At least me. I, I won't speak for you, but uh, in the midst of just dealing with it, I, I, I like made this decision to try to cry one tear for Roy the rest of my life, uh, a day per day, uh, and and so I'm I'm still on pace uh, for that, and it's not something that I want to give up. In fact, I've been sad recently, and maybe this is resonating. I've been sad recently because. Because I haven't cried as much. And I think when we're really depressed about something, that happens. It's like, well, now I've given up this thing that's a part of me, and I don't want it to be that way. Uh, And so I I say that to say, look, even if you're like me, and you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I, I... I'm not that depressed of a person, I think this series has something for you, because even if you're not depressed right now, there will come a time when you will be depressed again, you will be despondent and dejected, and life will just be gray, it will be, as we've created the metaphor, like the light has gone out, and just something is missing. Here's, here's this last thing that I kind of want to say up front before we look at this passage of scripture, and that is that depression is not just sadness, and so we're not just dealing in this series with being sad. I saw this little chart, I think it's funny, um, if depression can ever be have a funny side, and, and sometimes we picture depression as just being sad. And that would be a different series, like dealing with sadness, dealing with mourning, dealing with loss, dealing with the death of loved ones. But this is about like the deeper kind of depression where, where it just messes it all up inside of us. And the things that are good and valuable, the things that we find joy and hope in, and the things that, that really kind of make us centered and stable, all of it just kind of seems to disappear. The light goes off. And we're just kind of left there going, everything seems bad. It's my fault, and I'm now loathing, and I'm sad, but I'm also a little bit angry, and I'm confused, and I'm hurt, and I'm broken, and, and it's just no good. And, and so as we, as we jump into this, it's not just sad. Sad, I think, will be a part of this, and uh, probably a big part of it, but I don't want you to think that we're just talking about dealing with sadness. We're talking about being and dealing with depression uh, in the broadest sense of that term. Here's here's the good news. This is the good news is while a lot of Christians want to pretend that depression is not something that happens to us. You know, we who love God and have been washed in the blood, it just kind of will never be depressed or sad or hopeless ever again. The Bible, the Bible is not that way. In fact, what we're going to look at this morning is perhaps the best description of depression that I have ever seen, that I've ever read, that anybody has ever given. It's going to come to us in Psalm 42, and it's a psalm that is believed to be written by David. And, and here's, here's what I think is awesome as we kind of dive into this psalm today. First of all, it, and this is not awesome for David, but as you read David's writings, David is like John Piper and not John MacArthur. David is a guy who is bent towards being depressed you read the Psalms, and and every time something bad happens, David is just like lost in in a sea of of sorrow and hurt and confusion and pain, and he expresses those things, and they get jumbled up and meshed together, and he expresses them to God like, hey, I'm angry, but I love you, and I feel like I should be joyful, and I'm mad, and I'm hurt, and I'm broken, and I can't believe you're letting this happen, and it's good. Life is pretty good, but oh man, it's terrible, and and it's like this jumbled mess, and if you read a of what David writes in the Word of God in the Bible, then you begin to get a picture of a person who isn't somebody who just deals with things, like, I'm on to the next thing. It's, uh, here we go, what's next? Let me move on, let me get over this. David wallows, and he wallows in what appears to be depression. I think we can make a case just from reading David's writings that that he suffers from, from what we call clinical depression today. David is a great man, a man after God's own heart as we'll see, but yet he deals with depression and he deals with it often in his life. Every time he has a negative circumstance, it seems we have a response from him in the book of Psalms, in the word of God, with him just expressing the pain and the hurt and the dejection and the hopelessness that he kind of feels, despite knowing, loving, and having hope in God, if that makes any sense at all. And in our passage today, it's it's the epitome. It's the epitome of what I just described. And and, and there's the situation that that people make the guess that this is the situation in which David writes this psalm. And if David has a a personality, a a soul that leans towards depression, then this situation is going to just push him deeply into that depression. Uh, His son, Absalom, was a favorite of his father. He was handsome, he was good looking, he was strong, he was cool. He rode around in an awesome chariot and all the people loved him. And this is David's son. Another one of David's sons rapes one of David's daughters. And Absalom waits a time and then kills David's other son. So that's bad, right? And this is kind of in the midst of when David writes this psalm. But past that, so now we have his daughter being assaulted, right? I mean, just think about that, by one of his other sons. Then we have revenge. Now he's lost the son and his son Absalom is, is sent out of the kingdom for a while. And so all this is a mess. But then Absalom returns to the scene, he returns to Jerusalem, he sits on his father's throne, starts giving kind judgments to people, sways the people to love him more than his dad, and then starts a revolt against the kingdom kicks his dad out of office, becomes king through the people, and makes his dad flee into the countryside. That's a pretty terrible set of circumstances. And so David, when when he writes this psalm, Psalm 42, is most likely running around the countryside for his life because his son, who has committed murder against another one of his sons, has now replaced him as king in a really shady way. And David is out, hiding, maybe in a cave, and he writes Psalm 42. I'm going to read it all. It's a longer passage than I normally read, but I think it's important because of how beautiful and real and deep of a a description of depression that it is. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David declares at the very beginning of this something that's pretty famous in church settings, that as a deer pants for water, so his soul thirsts for God. And it's famous, it's something that we sing in church, uh, but it's not something that we often connect to depression. David is saying right at the beginning of this, something is not right within me, and I want God to do something about it, and he's not. And I think that we could describe in some ways the feeling that we feel when we're depressed as As being thirsty. It's like something is wrong within us. But David at the beginning declares that God is a living God. He declares, I'm depressed, I want more of God, but I know that you, God, are a living God. And living God suggests, when you see the term living God, that David is remembering that while God is not moving in his life in any way that he can see... And while he is thirsty for God, and it appears that God has left him dehydrated in his own sadness, he still believes that God is living and active and can do something about his situation. You see, for David... It's like he is in a desert, or to use the analogy that we'll use throughout the series, it's like the world has gone dark. But he is looking at God in the midst of this pain, this suffering, this, this feeling of hopelessness, and saying, look, I know you are the one who can do something about it. And then David dives right in to feelings that we have felt if we're human. He says that, that his tears have been his food all day long, suggesting two things. That David is crying a lot. And that David is not eating very well. Now if you are like me, then you know one of these two sides at least. I I can be the most depressed person, person in the world and go right to sleep. Uh, I can be the most stressed out person in the world and go right to sleep. But everything goes to my stomach. And, and so when I am depressed, I totally uh, get what David is saying about just eating tears. Because... I can't eat, I can't eat. Some of you, it's sleep, right? I mean, some of you are on the other side of that, and if anything's bad in your life at all, then it's really difficult to go to sleep, and especially if you're depressed, if you're hurt, if you're broken, it's like, I can't sleep, and you stay up all night. And and David describes both of these things with, with, with like one little line, saying, look, you're depressed, you cry a lot, you can't eat, and you're up all night thinking about it. That's the situation for David. And then David says this other thing that may be the most underrated thing when it comes to just the feelings of depression. He says, people say stuff and it annoys you. I already said that that was true when my dog died. And here's David in a far worse situation. And people are actually attacking him with with their words. They're saying, where is your God? It's like, look what's happened to you. And you now are so sad and so hurt and so broken. Your God has rejected you. He's abandoned you. And we know this feeling where we are hurt and we are sad. And we're already thinking, where's my God? And somebody walks up to us with a cliche. Or somebody walks up to us and says something mean. Or somebody walks up to us and says something stupid. And we're like, you just made it worse. You just made it worse. Or now I'm depressed and angry at you because you you're an idiot. You know, I mean, you're stupid. That doesn't comfort me at all. There's no comfort in those words. I don't even want you to try to comfort me. And you're coming up and saying that to me. We, we don't have people often say, where is your God to us? Most people don't have the audacity to do that. But we have people say things like, he's in a better place. Or you should concentrate on things that make you happy. Or there are other fish in the sea. Or you'll laugh about this someday. And in the midst of our hurt and our sorrow and our suffering and our confusion and our hopeless feelings, it's like these things are not helpful. They just make them worse. And I think David in the midst of Psalm 42, if he was in our shoes, would say like, people come up to me all day long and say, he's in a better place. People come up to me all day long and say, you'll laugh about this someday. But it doesn't help at all. There's no comfort in that. There is no comfort sometimes in the words of other people, even if the words of other people are 100% true. David continues and he says that he's pouring out his soul. Man, doesn't, doesn't being depressed feel like being emptied out? I mean, when it continues to go on and on and on and on, And we're still feeling those feelings. Doesn't it just feel like everything good is being poured out of us? And the more we try to find our comfort, the more we try to tell ourselves it'll be okay someday or you'll get out of this or things aren't that bad, it just feels like we're pouring out the good that's inside of us and it's leaving us more and more empty. So David declares, pouring out his soul fighting to continue to do what's right and to do what's good and to have hope and to cling to God and it just feels like his soul is being emptied. And then he remembers the way it used to be before he was depressed. He says, I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Sometimes depression is driven by things not being the way they once were. Isn't that the reality for us? I mean, David hits it right on the head here. He's like, here's part of my problem, is things aren't what they once were. It's not the way it used to be. This is so clear when we're depressed because somebody or someone has died, right? It's like, well, they're dead and that's sad, but I do believe they're in a better place. If they're Christians, I mean, we believe that, but the problem is not where they are. The problem is where I am here and things aren't the way that they used to be. It's not as good as it once was. It'll never be the same. And David's like, I remember a time when I walked down to the temple praising God. And for David, people were probably yelling nice things at him because he was king. And he's going, now I'm, hung, I'm, I'm locked up here in this cave running for my life. He's probably thinking about when he when he had little children who hadn't been mad at each other, who hadn't murdered each other, who hadn't taken over his kingship. I mean, he's thinking about Absalom as a five-year-old and going, I remember how it was when he was just a kid. You see, sometimes our depression is just driven by it not being the same as it used to be. And for David, that is factoring in. There's a ton of things going on. I think he's bent towards depression. I think the situation is horrible. But he's like, what's added to this is that it's not how it used to be, and I want it to be that way again. And for some, it's just joy. It's like, well, I used to have joy. I used to have fun. I used to like life, but now I don't anymore. I just wish it could be the way that it was. David declares that. Man, for me, when it comes to my dog... I know it's just a dog, I get that. And that's one of the weird things about being depressed about something, isn't it? Because a lot of times it's just something. It's just a little thing that, that sets us over the edge. And my dog is a big thing to me. Uh, but in the whole scheme of the world, it's not that big a thing. He's not that big a thing. Uh, and yet there's these things that I just remember. And there's things I can't do because they create memories within me. There are trails, beautiful trails down by the river at Memorial Park and I cannot go there. I can't do it because those are Royce Trails and that's where we would he would get off a leash, I wouldn't get off a leash. That's where he would get off a leash and we would run around together and I can't go there. And I'm not sure I'll be able to go there for a long, long time because it's not the way that it used to be. And then David says the thing that's most important to what I want to say today. He asks this question. Why my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Downcast translates a word that means to bow or crouch, or be laid low, to be depressed. It's the uh, it's the Old Testament word for depression, really, for being depressed. It means to sink down or disintegrate away or to be downcast. I think that gets to the heart of what feeling depressed feels like. We're down. We say it that way. We're down. We feel like we've been pressed down. We are oppressed, like we've been pushed down, like life is going good for everybody else, but we are just being shoved down and down and down and down into darkness and into despair. The other word disturbed means to growl or moaning. And I think that sometimes when we're depressed, we do that. We cry, we sob, but sometimes it just feels in our souls like we need to cry out, like our souls are moaning. They are so hurt and so lost and so afraid and so in, so much in despair. So David uses these two words that roughly translate to being depressed. But he says, Why? Why? David, why are you depressed? And you might give an answer. You might say, well, David, I think you're depressed because your son assaulted is your daughter and your other son exacted revenge and then revolted against you and then uh, had relations with your concubines. That's why you're depressed, man. I mean, look at the situation you're in. I mean, of course you're depressed. This is, this is a bad situation. Obviously, you're depressed. But David, this is the interesting part, David asks that question based on the faith that he has. He says, why, soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed? And here's the reason for his question. Because he knows what he ought to do. He knows what he should feel. He knows how life will be again someday. He says, put your open God, for someday you'll praise him again. He knows what his faith is compelling him to do. He knows even more what his faith is compelling him to feel, but he doesn't feel it. And so he looks at himself and says, why? Why are you so broken? Why are you so hurt? Why are you so disturbed? When you know that God will eventually pull you out of this, and you know that God is both Lord and Savior, why do you still feel the way you feel when you know truth? And this, I think, is the most important thing that we'll read today, because there is a belief in Christian circles that if you believe the right things, then you will always feel the right things. And David declares, I know how I ought to feel based on what God has done for me and what God will do for me, but I don't feel that way and I don't know why. It's easy, it's easy for us to get caught up in the lie or the trap that says, if you have enough faith, then you will never feel depressed. But David shows us in the middle of this passage that sometimes our faith and our feelings simply don't align. Sometimes we are depressed despite our faith. And that's the first thing in this series that I want you to hear. I want you to hear what David has declared through his questions, and that is sometimes faith and feelings don't align. He even declares deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. I searched to try to find one person smarter than me, it would say, this is actually a good thing, that God is, is, is pouring water over David's. And this is the connection I made in my brain. David is panting for water like a deer, right? I mean, his soul pants for God like a deer pants for water. David's declared that. And now he's saying the breakers, the waves are pouring over him. And, and I searched for somebody smarter than me that had written a book to say, this means that God is answering that prayer in some way. But no person says that. It's emphatic everywhere you look that what David is saying is it feels, God, like you are pummeling me with one bad thing after another. David says, I know truth. I believe that you're my God, that you're my Savior, that you're my Lord, that you're alive, that you're active, that you're working, that someday you will fix these things, that I will praise you yet again in this life or the next. But it feels, God like you are pummeling me with one bad thing after another. On Pinterest, I saw this. It's where I go for all my sermon information. What is depression like? It's like drowning, except you can see everyone around you breathing. To use our analogy, it's like the lights have gone out and everybody around you has a flashlight. But you're just sitting there, wallowing in the darkness going, God, why have you pulled away from me? God, why have you left me here with this to deal with? Why have you forgotten me? Again, David believes, your Savior, your Lord, someday you'll fix this. But right now, why have you forgotten that I feel this way? Why have you left me to deal with this? David even takes it another step. He says, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me. Like, I am so depressed, it hurts in my body. Like I said, for me, it's always my stomach. But I know that people get really sick when they're depressed. I know that people have things that actually physically hurt on them when they're depressed. I know for some people it's headaches. For some people it's stomach aches. For some people, it's loss of sleep over time and it begins to wear you down. But David is in a situation, don't don't just gloss over this. And I hope you're not that. like, well, he's a Bible character. It, It wasn't that bad. God was right there with him. David is so depressed, it hurts in his body. He is physically suffering because he is so depressed. And in the midst of all this, he says these two pretty incredible things. First, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. And second, he says, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You See, David isn't a bad guy. He is, in fact, this is really fascinating, striving to be close to God. I mean, he says, I'm going to go up on the mountains and remember you, God. And he says that he's going to pray. I mean, he's going to pray to the God of his life forever. And he he recognizes that God still loves him. And he says that at night, God's song is with him. David is declaring truth in the midst of his horrible depression. He is trying to serve God, and yet he is depressed. And I want to say again, sometimes faith and feelings don't align. Sometimes we are depressed despite our faith. Let me just tell you a few things about this man named David. He is listed in Hebrews 11 as a man of great faith. Here's a man of great faith, such great faith that the author of Hebrews, a long, long time after David lives, declares, oh yeah, there's this other guy named David, who is a pillar of faith, who is a demonstration of faith, whose faith you ought to follow after. Let me tell you something else about David. Jesus is referred to while he walks around on earth as the son of David. Just consider that for a moment. David is like the key figure in the lineage of Jesus. Jesus made a decision to be in the line of a single man. And all throughout the history, after David was alive, it's declared that somebody will come in the line of David and set things right. Somebody will come in the line of David that will set things right. Somebody will come in the line of David that will set things right. And it's Jesus. That's the guy he picked. A guy who suffered with depression. In 2 Timothy 2.8, we read this. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Paul's talking to a guy named Timothy who was a young pastor and says, here's what I want you to remember about the gospel. Jesus was resurrected. He died. And by the way, he was a descendant of a man named David. David is in pretty high company there. In Acts 13, here's what we read. He made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. I want him to do. David is perhaps most famous for being a man after God's own heart. And David was a man who was depressed often. And this is what it tells me. Depression doesn't define our faith, but our faith defines how we deal with depression. I want you to get that because I think we have it one of two ways in our kind of current Christian culture. We have one side of the Christian culture who will say things like, "Well, just, you know, just read the Bible more, you'll be happy. Jesus died for you, someday you'll be in heaven, just be happy. Depression, that's not something that Christians do." That's one side. On the other side, I think there's a lot of Christians who say, well, depression is just a part of life. It's psychological. It's something that we deal with. And our Christian faith doesn't do anything for it or about it. It's just something you must deal with. It's just something you have to get through. It's just something you have to kind of fix on your own or whatever. And in Psalm 42, we see that depression doesn't define our faith. It's not like we're faithless because we're depressed it's not like we have less faith than the guy next to us who's not depressed it's not that our faith is bad or ruined or broken because we're depressed feelings just are depression doesn't define our faith but as with david our faith needs to define how we deal with depression David doesn't reject God. David doesn't turn his back on God. David doesn't stop praying. David doesn't stop recognizing the love of God. David doesn't stop doing what's right because he feels bad. David continues to serve God and do what God wants him to do and to seek God despite the fact that he is depressed, horribly depressed. Charles Spurgeon said, I am the subject of depression so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extreme, extremes of wretchedness as I go to. But I always get back again by this. I know that I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in him. And if he fails, I shall fail with him. But if he does not, I shall not. Because he lives, I shall live also. I mean, this is, this is one of the most important Christian people uh, that has lived in the last couple hundred years. And he says, I am so depressed sometimes that I hope you never get there. But when I am, I just keep serving God and seeking God and hoping in God. And if he fails, if God fails me, then I will fail too. But I hope that he doesn't. Depression is a reality that all of us will face at some time. And when we do, I want you just to know, and it's really a setup for the rest of the series, but I want you to know that I believe that the Bible declares that we should believe that just because you're depressed, it it is not an indictment on your faith. Just because you feel sad, you feel hurt, you feel broken, you feel lost, you feel confused, you're suffering, it doesn't mean that you don't have a faith, that your faith is no good, that you have less faith than somebody else. But I also want you to know that your faith must be the driving factor in how you deal with that depression. Because the world wants to tell you your faith has nothing to do with depression. It has nothing to do with you being depressed. But David shows us that it has a lot to do with it. And the way we respond to that depression needs to be driven by our I heard this quote a long time ago, and I think it's a good place to end. Don't doubt in the dark what you have seen in the light. The way that quote was used when I first heard it was to say, when you can't see God, when you don't know where God has gone, when you don't feel his joy or his hope or his peace or his love or his comfort, don't doubt his goodness his love, his existence. Don't doubt the declarations that you have made to live for him when you did see all those things. With that, I just wanna say one more time and then I'll pray for you. Depression doesn't define our faith, but our faith defines how we deal with depression, depression or it should. Will you pray with me? Lord, I just ask that for everybody here, that when we are depressed, God, uh, that we wouldn't let Satan trick us into thinking that that something is wrong with our faith. Um, that we wouldn't let our minds tell us that our faith is broken. And that we wouldn't believe what I believe to be a lie, God. Um, That if we just have enough faith, then all of our bad feelings will go away. I think that those thoughts, God, you know this. This is one of the reasons for this sermon. I I think that those thoughts, God, sometimes, oftentimes push people deeper into the darkness of depression. I, I think, God, that That when people are depressed and then they feel like their faith isn't good enough, they feel more depressed because now not only are they sad, but something is wrong with them. Not only are they confused, but now they've messed up in some way. And so I pray that you would just erase right here from the beginning of this series, just erase that idea uh, that our feelings and our faith will always align. And instead, God, I I just pray this. I pray, Lord, uh, that we would make a decision to allow our faith to dictate how we feel, how we not feel, how we deal, Lord, with depression. Lord, I pray that we would decide to cling to your truth, to cling to the realities that you have declared in your word, to cling to your love, even if we don't feel like any of those things are true. And I pray, God, that that all of us, when we are depressed, God, would, would, would make, we would make a decision to serve you, despite how we feel about serving you, Lord. I pray, God, that, that we would never doubt in the dark what we have seen in the light. And when the darkness of depression comes, God, I pray that we would remember the light that once shone bright in us, and we, God, we would let our depression be driven by our faith, and not our faith by our depression, Lord. God, I thank you that you have something to say about everything that we deal with in this life that's important. And I ask, Lord, that you would touch our lives this morning and this week with this powerful psalm. In your name, amen.